0: Welcome to Unlock Your Wellbeing, the podcast that teaches you the simple keys to health and happiness so that you can grow as a human being into a well-being. And now here's your host, author, certified wellness coach, mother, and wife, Alicia Ledham. Welcome, welcome, everybody. We have a very exciting show for you today, a special guest myself, Michael Liedem. I'm hijacking Alicia's show. We've been joking for a long time that I wanted to get on her podcast and uh, just kind of talk to her audience and, and jam on a few different topics. So we decided this week that uh, I got the green light. So I don't take this responsibility lightly. And I'm uh, incredibly grateful that Alicia is trusting me to uh, to speak to you all and, and not go off uh, the deep end on on anything. Well, first off, I want to start with a moment of gratitude, and I want you to think about something in your life right now, today, as you listen to this, that you're truly grateful for. It doesn't have to be big, but just something in this moment that you want to say thank you. And for me today, I want to say thank you to you all for your time. It's your most valuable asset. I don't take it lightly. I appreciate you tuning in today. I really, really do. I know that people have a lot going on in their lives. So I want to try and bring as much value as I can today during this episode. And I also want to say thank you to Alicia and her team for all the effort that goes into this podcast. There's so much behind the scenes that goes into creating a podcast and marketing it and editing it. And her team just does a phenomenal job. And she puts a lot of thought into the different topics and guests that she brings on this show. I'm fortunate that I've been on it a few times before, but I just want uh, to say thank you to her and the team uh, before we get started here. Now, today's episode is going to be a little bit different than some of the episodes that I've been on in the past. I don't want to just regurgitate And uh, tell the same stories. So, I will give a little plug right now. Uh, If you want to know more about my personal burnout story and how I recovered earlier on in my career, that's in season one, episode three. There's some really good stuff in there. If you yourself are feeling very stressed and just needing kind of some new advice or new techniques to get yourself back on track. And then another episode that I did with Alicia. Uh, was in season two, episode 25. It's called Leading Well-Being. And we both partnered on that episode to lead a webinar where we combined both of our businesses. And if you don't know right now, I'll just explain it briefly. But Alicia with Alicia Lead and Wellness really focuses on self-leadership and taking care of yourself, mind, body, and soul. So obviously things like wellness, mindfulness, and well-being all come to play there. And that is such a vital, vital part of leadership that I think is starting to get some more uh, legs under it, but so crucial from everything that I've observed as a leadership consultant over the years. So my side of the house is more on the organizational side. That's what my background's in. So I do a lot more of leadership from a team perspective, from an organizational perspective, uh, from an executive coaching perspective, and we get to pair our strategies and our ideas together for specific clients, which is really cool. So if leadership and well-being is something that you're passionate about and something that your organization is starting to talk more about, definitely check out uh, that episode. It is Leading Well-Being, Season 2, Episode 25. Okay, so let's jump into today's content. Basically, I have a free-flowing agenda right now, so I want to give myself a little bit of liberty to uh, go in any little tangent that I want to uh, based on what I'm feeling passionate about in the moment. I do have a couple questions that people submitted ahead of time, so there'll be three different questions I'll try to answer to uh, those specific audience members, and then I have six life lessons These aren't necessarily like career advice or specific uh, wellness tips, if you will, but they're just deep reflections that I've been having over these last couple of years and all the transitions in my own life that I kind of wish I would have known earlier on. So I'm trying to pay those forward to you. And again, I just want to bring as much value as I can to you all today. So before we jump into those topics, Let me just give you a brief background of who I am and what I do in case this is the first time that you're hearing from me. So, I'm Michael Leadum. I am the founder and owner of the business called Catching Leadership. It's also a book I authored called Catching Leadership. And my background is in industrial organizational psychology. So, if you haven't heard that term before, think of it as business or workforce psychology. How do you get the right people in an organization? How do you build the right culture? How do you train your leaders within an organization? All of those components of human psychology, but in the workplace, that's really where I focus a lot of my work. But I bring a a new angle or a special twist to it because I combine my passion for the outdoors and for fishing, which you don't have to be a huge angler um, to, to get a lot of value from my framework. But it's really just used to make concepts really sticky and it's used to encourage people to unplug go outside check in with your ch- check in with yourself and check in with the environment around you and do some of that inner work to then cast yourself as a new leader and the legacy that you want to have so I won't go into that model, but if you want to check out Catching Leadership and the Catch and Release framework, uh, we'll make sure to put a link here in the description, and and you can definitely do that. Okay, so outside of owning my own business, I'm a father. Obviously, if you listen to this show, you know that Alicia and I have a little two-year-old daughter. Uh, I already explained that I love fishing and I do that in my free time. Uh, In particular, I've been getting into fly fishing more, which just takes everything to a whole new level. Uh, The level of patience you need, um, being more in tune with the environment. Uh, I'm not great by any means yet. I am learning a lot, but that's synonymous and parallel with a lot of things in life is leaning into things that are uncomfortable, being a novice again, And uh, just trying to have fun with the journey. It's not the destination, but every day you're getting a little bit better. Uh, Let's see if there's anything else. I have a team uh, at Catching Leadership that I currently lead, so I get to practice what I preach. I'm not just telling people how to be a a great leader. I actually have to show up and be a great leader for my team as well. Um, And business has been good lately. I've been doing a lot of great client work. I have an executive coaching practice. I've been working one-on-one with leaders. Uh, We have an upcoming trip to California where I'll be doing a keynote for a bunch of HR professionals out there in wine country, and um, just a lot to be grateful and fortunate on all of those fronts. Okay, so now to you, let's start with some of these questions here that I received. So the first one comes from Lauren, and Lauren wanted some advice about balancing Parenthood and leadership and career and well being, and just all of the things, right? And you can probably relate to what Lauren's feeling, where it's just like, wow, there are not enough hours in the day. I'm exhausted. I'm asked to do more at work. I'm being asked to do more, uh, you know, for my family, uh, the kids, the responsibilities, whatever it might be for you. Uh, It just seems to keep stacking upon each other. And in the back of your mind, you know that you need to be doing more, perhaps, um, you know, to take care of yourself. But you're just at a loss of how do I prioritize? What do I do on this front? So I really appreciate this question. And um, I don't have a silver bullet, Lauren. And if you find it, please let me know uh, what it is, too, because I think we all can relate to some of these pressures to balance it all. But I do have two uh, pieces of advice for you that, that may help, at least from a psychological or a mindset perspective. And the first one is really focusing on progress in any area of your life and not the insufficiencies. So if we start from a place of, hey, when it comes to parenthood, I'll use myself as an example, am I a better parent today than I was a year ago? Absolutely. Absolutely. Will I be a better parent next year than I am today? I hope so. If I keep listening and keep trying new things and keep growing. Same thing with your well-being practice. Are there things you're doing today that you've improved on? Maybe you're sleeping a little bit better. Maybe you're working out a little bit more. Uh, Maybe you're doing more meal prep and you're cooking more of your homemade meals. Same thing with your career. Have you learned new skills this year? You know, as you compare it back to last year and with leadership, you know, what lessons have you learned this year? Where are you stronger? Are you a better presenter this year? Whatever it might be. So if we start by focusing on the progress and not going immediately to, oh my gosh, look at the lack. I'm not where I need to be here. I'm not where I need to be here. You just drown yourself with doubt and negativity and I can't do it all. So you got to give yourself a little bit of credit first off. The second thing that I want you to think about, Lauren, is try to see each of these areas not as independent, but as helping one another. So when you think about your parenthood responsibilities, when you're able to show up and do a good job, when the kids are in a good mood, they have what they need, aren't you inevitably then able to show up at work in a better mood and able to do a better job? And when you're doing a good job at work and feeling productive and in a good mood, aren't you probably more likely to then engage in a well-being behavior, maybe after work or even during work? And that's the other piece with this. If you can stack and blend some of these together, that's even better. So if you're parenting and you want to maybe get a little bit more movement or activity going, take the kids out for a walk, do something outside. Just being outside is going to lower your cortisol levels and help you out. Now, I know that's not always practical with you know your career and kids, and I understand that this advice is not always easy to apply, but I just want you to think about instead of if I do one, then I'm missing out on the other, flipping the script to saying, if I focus on well-being right now, I'm going to be a better parent. I'm going to be better at my job. I think that mindset will help you. So work on those two things. Uh, throughout the day, journal on them, meditate on them, and just start trying some new habits. And again, there's no silver bullet for this stuff, but these small little mindset changes and behaviors will stack up and help you. Okay, our second question comes from Kim. And Kim finds herself in a new leadership role. And she is really trying to balance performing for herself and what the organization is expecting from a results standpoint, but then also trying to help her team. And if anyone's been in this type of position or a a leadership position where you have your own responsibilities and you have the responsibility of developing your team, uh, trying to motivate them, trying to coach them, you can understand that this is a, a true sticking point. And this is something I do write about in the book, Catching Leadership. It's chapter three, it's called Tie Their Knot. And there's a couple of pieces of advice or or questions I have for you to think about, Kim, as you're embarking on this journey. The first one is, when you think about it, what does your company value more? I know they want both. That's why you're in the situation you're in. But does your company value more of your individual results right now? Or does it value more of your ability to instill good habits, good coaching, and scaling others to go get results. And I know that that seems like maybe a fine line, but I think it's important for you to know what the expectation from your own manager is, because that might help guide you how you go about your day. Of course, you're going to have to play in both realms, but if your manager is really expecting you to develop your team right now, because that's the immediate need within your organization then that should be your primary focus first. And as you do a good job there, and as they start to get better with the tasks that are being delegated to them, then you're able to carve out some more room for yourself and track towards your own personal goals. However, if it's the other way around and you have this candid conversation with your manager, uh, you know I wouldn't necessarily recommend as a leader always focusing on your own work, but there probably are some rare Uh, circumstances where if you're in a crisis situation or there's a a lot of pressure or deadlines or things that you need to say, look, I'm going to train these people. I'm going to help them out. I'm going to carve out time next quarter or next month to really be intentional with that. But right now I have to finish this major project or this major initiative. So it comes down to being intentional first and foremost, not trying to kind of do both and not really do either one effectively but trying to figure out where am I actually focusing my attention today? The second question I want you to think about, Kim, is what's going to benefit you all in the long run? So within your own leadership skill, what's going to help you in your career? Is it taking the time to be a great leader and helping them and figuring out Wow, when I coach in a specific way, when I delegate in a specific way, when I show up in a specific way, the team gets so much more done. They're more positive, And I really notice the benefit there. And that's only going to help me as I continue to take on future leadership roles. Also, when you think about it from an organizational standpoint, what's going to have the greatest impact long term for them? My guess is it's scaling those new team members to be the future leaders of the company. So, I just want you to really ask yourself about the short-term versus the long-term benefit. Yes, knowing you're always going to have responsibilities in both, but trying to kind of keep your eye on the prize of of where're ultimately going as a leader. The last piece of advice for you, Kim, number three here, I want to encourage you to become just like an outstanding observer of behavior. What do I mean by that? I want you to be able to really hone in and pick up on the specific behaviors that your team is displaying on a given day and being able to reflect on what is and what is not working within the environment. The The ideal setting as a leader is to put your team members in a state of flow as much as you possibly can. What do I mean by flow? Well, flow is a concept that was coined by Milhaj Csikszentmihalyi. I know that is a mouthful and don't ask me to spell it. But he basically talks about this psychological state of being in the zone. When you're in a flow state, time just seems to kind of You've all been there, right? Whether it's a hobby or it's at work and you're just like, wow, I was really in it and I can't believe the day is over. And the reason why you're able to get in it, if you will, is because it's the perfect match, the task or the activity that you're performing is the perfect match between your skill set and the challenge at hand. So as a leader, you have to always be thinking with your new team members, where are they currently at? And this comes from observation, being real with it, right? Like, where is their skill set at? Where are they strong? Where are they inadequate at this point? I need to know that. And then based on the task or the challenge you're asking them to do, how challenging is it for them? If it's too easy, they'll just complete that task in five minutes and they're on to the next thing or they're bored. And if it's too hard, they're going to become frustrated. And when they become frustrated, they will then maybe become resentful because they don't have the skill set to do it. They're being asked to do these crazy things by the organization. They're going to start doubting themselves and maybe they even become apathetic and they just start not caring. They check out, et cetera. So if you become a great observer, you are going to be able to match those two components, skill and the challenge of the activity, and hopefully those stretch assignments, if you will, will not only benefit them long-term and their own development growth, it'll also benefit you because you're able to delegate, you know, harder and more challenging tasks over time and also help the organization because when people are in a flow state, they're going to be more engaged. They're going to be more likely to like their work. They're going to be more likely to stay within the company. So I hope some of those points help you out, Kim. Okay. I do have a third question. But I'm going to wait for that third question and bring it up here at the end of the episode. What I want to do next is I want to talk about six life lessons that, like I mentioned earlier, I wish I kind of would have known earlier. And it's not, you know, look, life is not like this race. It's not about getting all the wisdom as quickly as you possibly can. So maybe I even need to rephrase that. I want you all to receive these lessons, um, at the right time and in your own way. And I want to share them with you today. I think I've been blessed to experience what I have at the time and in the order that I've been able to experience it. So I always have to check myself with like, things are on time. You're learning the things you need to at the right time and not this game of like hurrying up or catching up or I'm behind and what I need to be learning. So. Anyway, there, I digress. There's the first one, Alicia. Sorry about it. Let's get into these uh, six life lessons. So the first one, if you care what others think, you will be a prisoner to their thoughts your whole life. Let that sit in. If you truly care and you're trying to impress every single person, Whether this is the image you put out on social media, whether this is trying to do something for an upcoming holiday because you know that your mother-in-law or your uncle or so-and-so really wants it, but you absolutely despise it, that's going to be lingering in the back of your mind all the time. And so you're going to spend your life trying to impress other people instead of being true to who you are. And I know inevitably, as a person who studied social psychology for a long time, I understand the, the pressures uh, to conform. I understand uh, the biases, you know, in-group, out-group bias, uh, groupthink, think, uh, pluralistic ignorance, a bunch of these concepts that have been in psychology textbooks for a long time. I'm not saying that you're going to be able to live your life and not care what others think completely we are social creatures. We are tribal, you know, at at nature and we want to fit in. We want to feel like we belong and we're accepted. But, there's a major but here. Do not live your life on autopilot and trying to seek the approval of others. I will tell you firsthand, when I started writing Catching Leadership, inevitably you start thinking, how is this going to be received by the audience? What are my professors going to say? What are my coworkers going to say? What's my family going to say? None of it really matters. What really matters is me speaking my truth, telling my stories the way that are unique to me, and trying my best to just stay laser focused on the message that I'm trying to convey without this need for recognition or validation or what have you. So, Be very, very mindful of how other people's opinions start to influence your own emotions and your own behaviors and try and eliminate a lot of that noise and uh, perception and image management as much as you can. All right, number two, honesty and authentic alignment are key to success in everything. Even more so than hard work, I would say honesty, this idea of honesty has really been hitting me lately. And I think it's something, maybe it's being a parent now and, you know, with children and telling the truth and and some of those things, but it goes beyond just your words. It also means living your truth and being honest with yourself when you need to make changes in your life, when you need to make changes in your career. And I know it's a cliche saying that honesty is the best policy, but in a lot of ways, it really, really is. Yeah, you still have to be tactful, you don't want to go around and not be uh, conscious of your ideas and thoughts and and what you say to people and, and giving your opinions to others who don't necessarily want them. But what I'm saying is like, at the end of the day, there are a lot of times in my own business or in my own personal life, where I have to pause when I'm in a discussion or trying to make a decision and just say, Michael, what do you really want? What is truthful to you? What is in alignment with what you're trying to do? And I will be the first one to say, even in my own business, you know, on paper or from an outside perspective, there are probably a bunch of business consultants out there that be like, why are you doing this? Why are you spending money here? Why are you marketing this way and, and talking about phishing? Aren't you a leadership company? And You know, they would have all of these different uh, rationales for what I should and should not be doing. But at the end of the day, you all are going to tell if I'm not in authentic alignment with myself and being honest with who I am and the unique ways that I can show up in the world. So truly being honest when you're feeling a certain way, when you need to be heard, when you're trying to do something new and unique, does it feel good? Am I centered? my mind, body, and soul connected to this. And if it's not, you will find that it's only going to come back later on to haunt you or it's going to manifest in other problems. Okay, number three. Your people are out there. They are. And I have to remind myself of this one frequently. I post a lot on LinkedIn Uh, It's my kind of go-to social media site. And there are a lot of professionals out in the world, right? They're not all my people. I want them as many uh, who are motivated and interested to to learn about me, connect with me, to be my people. But at the end of the day, it's an unrealistic expectation. And sometimes when I'm working on a concept or an idea or something I want to go to market with in my business... I have to remember that whether I see it or not, people are rooting for me. They want me to succeed. And I have to get out of my head that like, there are all these judgmental people looking down at me and why are you doing that? And why isn't it happening fast enough? Your people are out there and they might not voice it as much as you need them to, but just know that there are people rooting for you always. So never feel alone in the decisions that you need to make in your life and know that not everyone, but the select few, and you know who they are, are pulling for you. All right, this next one, number four, this one comes from my father. And uh, he told it to me one day when we were out fishing on Lake Galena here in Illinois. And I don't know, even know how we got on this topic, to be honest with you, but it's one of those things when you're out fishing and you let your guard down and maybe the fish aren't biting, and you just have these beautiful conversations. But he said he heard it from I think it might have been a priest uh, at a sermon one time, but the saying is, Your worst day could be someone's best day. Your worst day when all the things are going wrong in your life, maybe the kids are acting up, work is really bogging you down, um, maybe you, you didn't get your work out in, you're feeling grumpy, um, one of your investments, maybe your stocks are going down, I don't know, whatever it is that you start to feel down and gloomy about, think about the individuals who would die to be in the position that you're in. To have a family, to have children, it's such a blessing. To have a job that you're rewarded and paid for is a blessing. Um, to have investments, to have extra income, to have a retirement account—like that's a blessing, right? And I think about this sometimes when I kind of get into my own little victimization, you know, loop of wow, it's so hard to be me. Does anyone else have to experience this? And I just think about some people who don't have half or a quarter of the things that I have in my life, and I try and snap out of it quickly. So your worst day could be someone else's best day. Remember that. All right, we got two left here. So number five, and this one's a little more uh, business related, but I think it applies to other things in life too. A person's budget doesn't determine your value. And I come across this all the time, whether it's an organization or a coaching engagement where, you know, I'm not saying this to to be arrogant or um, over the top or anything like that, but I have studied what I've studied. I'm continuing to learn. I have a ton to learn. I'll be the first one to tell you when it comes to this leadership and psychology. So I was like, every day I'm learning new stuff. It's great. But I am turning 36 here in a couple of weeks and everything in my life has built up to this point to where I'm at right now and what I can offer uh, individuals and organizations. When it comes to the consulting projects, the coaching, hosting these fly fishing retreats in the outdoors, having to learn my craft in my own unique way, writing a book, right? And so my value, um, I feel like is is fairly high in, in what I can bring to people. But their budget may be low. They may be um, under budget cuts. They may be for whatever reason in their personal finances, not having the, uh, the adequate level of cash to uh, go render my services to the full capacity. And it's very easy in your mind to say, I'm not worth it because of their budget. My value isn't good enough because of, of their budget. And that's the wrong way to think about it. The right way to think about it is, I'm continuing to get better. And I will continue to get better and my value will continue to increase. I am confident in what I bring to the table today and I will be rewarded for all of the hard work and experiences and things that I've, you know, stacked over the years. Also, in order to do my highest level of work, I need to be taken care of. I can't grind myself into the ground with a bunch of contracts that are just breaking even that's not going to be good. You're going to get a resentful Michael. My family's going to get a resentful Michael. I would rather have um, fewer contracts that are the right contracts where I feel like I can show up and be at my best and know that I'm being rewarded for everything that I've put into this program and all my experiences in the past. So just remember that whenever someone gives you all our budget constraints or what we can't afford this or that or whatever, that is not a reflection on your value. That's a reflection on their dollar and cents is in their in their bank account. Okay, the last one. Embrace the paradox of unlearning. Our life is a series of learning concepts, acquiring knowledge, and then losing a lot of that knowledge, pruning it, keeping some of the nuggets. And then relearning new stuff and then unlearning it. And I think sometimes we can fall victim to beating ourselves up when we don't remember every little thing that had been taught to us earlier in life. So let me give you an example. In graduate school, I had to take some pretty advanced statistics classes. Multivariate uh, multivariate analysis, something like that. I don't even know what it was called anymore. Shows you how much I use it. And I remember in that season in my life, um, it was important for me to learn those concepts, to complete those assignments, to pass those exams, to work on group projects with my cohort. But soon thereafter, I had to start unlearning some of that to create new space to learn what I needed to in my next season of life. And so it would be very easy for me right now to sit here and beat myself up and say, Michael, why didn't you keep your skills sharp with your statistical analysis? You learned all this, you invested all this money in these courses, and now you didn't use it, and now you're basically back to scratch, and you know, what's the point? What are you doing? That's not the way I look at it at all. It's really not. I look at it as life will give you all of these lessons and you'll have to learn and go through all of these things. And once you quote unquote graduate or complete something almost immediately, you need to embrace unlearning some of that con- or content or concepts. It seems so strange, it really does. But I want you to think about your own academic career or uh, professional career, what have you. There are so many things that get bestowed upon you, concepts, ideas, um, and a lot of them don't serve you anymore. And quite frankly, your brain doesn't have capacity to remember it all. So embrace this idea that I'm gonna continue to learn throughout my life and I'm gonna proactively continue to unlearn. And at the end of this journey, I'm gonna have this beautiful collection and these pruned networks of being able to get to the right information when I need to based on all of these experiences and this entire learning journey, not trying to preserve every little thing you've learned since elementary school to where you're at now. You have to unlearn as well. And that skill, unlearning, you might think it sounds easy, like, oh, I can just forget things. It's actually really, really difficult. It's really difficult to do it properly and to let things go and release them. So those are six life lessons that I hope help you provide some value to you today. Uh, I do want to circle back here on that one last question that we had from Jake. So inevitably, when I was on Instagram and, and Facebook trying to collect a few questions for today's episode, um, there was one that came up about fly fishing. So bear with me here. So Jake wanted some advice, some new fly fishing advice, and he wanted me to talk about it for a little bit. So I promise it'll just be a little bit here. And so Jake, what I'm learning right now is actually something I watched last night, is a uh, a new method to me, although it's a very old method in fly fishing, and it's called swinging a wet fly. And for those of you who don't know anything about fly fishing, Think of uh, a bug, an insect, as going through different stages in its life. So in the water, the egg is laid at the bottom and it turns into a larvae, or it kind of looks like a little caterpillar or a little grub. And then as it goes through, um, you know, maturing into its life cycle, it will start to get uh, wings and an air bubble, and it'll start to kind of float up into the water column, but it won't be at the surface yet. It'll kind of be in the middle. That's where the wet flies come in. As you progress through the life cycle of an insect, it will reach the, the surface of the water. Its wings will be fully grown. And then it's able to take off and fly. It's able to do its thing. And then it comes back to the water and it'll lay its eggs and start that whole process over again. So wet flies in particular are this older method that the fly itself just sits right below the surface of the water. So it's that bug that's almost ready to come up and fly away. And I have some wet flies in my tackle box and I've never actually tried this method. So Jake, I'm going to try this method this year, whether it's for trout or even panfish. I think if the fish are kind of looking up at the surface, but they're not quite eating off the surface, this might be a really effective method. But the tip for you is, which I found interesting is you don't just cast the wet fly out there and let it sit just below the surface. You actually add a little bit of split shot, 18 inches up the leader, uh, a little tiny split shot, not too much. You don't want to get it to the bottom, but that'll help keep it, you know, within a few inches from the surface. And the method they were using in these streams is to swing it. So you kind of cast it out at a 45 degree angle, let it drift all the way down. And then recast it back out and that's kind of the method to use i'm going to use it on the lake even though there's not a current like there would be on a stream or river and like i said see if i can get on a crappie or bluegill bite so again here you go it's a fly fishing example but there's always so much to learn um and that's what makes leadership and fishing and anything really in life so cool is when you immerse yourself you become a novice again and you're willing to put yourself out there and try new things you get uh, enamored and passionate about um, whatever it is that that drives your motor. Okay, uh, last things wrapping up here. I want to say first of all, or I want to say last of all, I guess. Thank you uh, for giving me your time again today. Like I kicked the episode off, I wanted to give a plug for two things that are coming up from a catching leadership side. So the first one is uh, a masterclass. My team worked really hard putting together this really cool and interactive masterclass. You can find this at catchingleadership.com. It's a six module online self-guided learning platform that you can go at your own pace and it really brings the book to life. So if you're not much of a reader, you don't think you're going to sit down and read 235 pages of the book. This is a way to kind of expedite that process. You'll also get a certificate of completion and uh we are running an early bird special on that right now for 247. So maybe it's something that you'd even want to ask your employer to see if they would sponsor um uh, your enrollment in that course. I think you're gonna get a lot out of it. And then the second thing is uh we have an upcoming retreat, a catching leadership, fly fishing retreat in the driftless area. So that's part of this beautiful place here in uh northeast iowa southeast minnesota southwest wisconsin and northwest illinois and this retreat is going to be on june 15th through the 17th the cool element about this retreat yeah you're going to get some leadership coaching yes we're going to do guided fly fishing but we're trying to lean into this idea of bringing the youngins along and by youngins they don't have to be that young. I mean, you could have a a son or a daughter who's 20 something and you could bring them along. But the whole idea is to do this parent child kind of bonding experience where you both can learn some leadership concepts you can instill in the younger generation, some of these uh, lessons that you've learned and make some memories out in the water. I mean, how cool is it to be able to look back and have a picture and, and have this memory of, Hey, remember that time that we went to that fly fishing leadership retreat. Wasn't that cool? Um, We are hosting that in Lafarge, Wisconsin, and it is the Thursday through Saturday right before Father's Day. So you can still get back on Sunday and celebrate Father's Day. It's all inclusive. Uh, each, uh, Each person will have their own cabin. All their meals will be provided. All the fly fishing gear will be provided. You just basically have to show up and you'll be taken care of. And like I said, you'll get a coaching call, uh, even beforehand, you'll get coaching on site. It's just going to be this really feel good event. So check that out. It's on the website. There is an early bird special going on right now too, that ends on March 15th. So go check it out. We're always doing cool leadership retreats at catching leadership. We're trying to use nature and the outdoors to really bring a lot of these leadership and mindfulness components together. All right. That's all I got for you today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks again, Alicia, for uh, bringing me on. Hopefully I did a good job for you. Um, keep trying out there. That's the last thing I'll say is just uh, you're doing a good job, probably better than you're giving yourself credit for. Just keep trying to make incremental progress in your life and keep stacking these little wins in your uh, wellness and leadership journey. All right. Tight lines, everyone. See ya.